what would I say about St. Croix? Um, it's 45 minutes below Puerto Rico, really quick plane ride. Um, and we're about 84 square miles. I would be remiss to say that 84 square miles and shrinking, right? Because of climate, climate change, right? The world that we live in. So maybe we're like 82 um, every year, water taking us in a little bit. But for me, St. Croix is like this really magical place where I was blessed um, to be born in that has like this interesting intersection of people. Um, you know, it was the home of Hamilton at one point. Um, I think it's the place I would like to take credit for where he he got some of those like really interesting worldviews because St. Croix has always been a mecca of different people. Um, with At the time he was here, there were freed Blacks, there were freed Indians, there were, um, you know, colonial British people. They, I mean, there was just like this amassing of the world in this little small place. Hello and welcome to Find the Outside the Podcast. Uh, my name's Tim Merry. And I'm Tuesday Ryan Hart. That little er uh, was like I forgot my name almost, wasn't it? It was like, and I'm, uh, um, who am I? I oh I my did. goodness, I don't know who I am. I almost texted you. You're Tim. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. That would have it probably would have helped me today. I think uh, based on based on based on today's precedent, I would say a little text to remind me of my name would just be a kind thing for a friend to do. We are incredibly lucky and very excited to have Summer Sibley with us and Christina Torres, um, both who are kind of online with us to talk about work they have been involved in and are currently involved in in the Virgin Islands and very specifically within St. Croix. And also, these two lovely humans are part of the outside team. So we are not only blessed to have them on this podcast, but also enormously blessed to have them as colleagues and friends and work partners in the work of the outside. Anything you want to add, Choose, before we dive in? Yeah, I think the what I would add is I feel like as I kind of carry the story of the outside with me, you know, like we talk about different clients and we talk about our work in the world. One of the places that um, captures folks or at least uh, is, is oh, there's work in St. Croix or, oh, there are outsiders in St. Croix. It's kind of, I think for many folks like this place that folks don't have a lot of idea about. They might, they've heard it, right? But it's not like in their imagination. So I would love us to to fill in folks' imagination and just hear a little bit about St. Croix. Um, even where is it? What, like, tell us a little bit about St. Croix and then we'll get to the systems change on St. Croix. But I would just love to hear from the two of you who come from different vantage points and different experiences of the island, what you might say about St. Croix. Summer, why don't you kick us off? Hi, everyone. I'm so happy to be on this podcast. And I guess, um, what would I say about St. Croix? Um, it's 45 minutes below Puerto Rico. Really quick plane ride. Um, and we're about 84 square miles. I would be remiss to say that 84 square miles and shrinking, right? Mm. Because of climate, climate change, right? The world that we live in. So maybe we're like 82 um, every year water taking us in a little bit. But for me, St. Croix is like this really magical place where I was blessed um, to be born in that has like this interesting intersection of people. Um, you know, it was the home of Hamilton at one point. Mm. Um, I think it's the place I would like to take credit for where he he got some of those like really interesting worldviews because St. Croix has always been a mecca of different people. 
Um, with at the time he was here, there were freed blacks, there were freed Indians, there were, um, you know, colonial British people. I mean, there was just like this amassing of the world in this little small place that that in many ways have launched the founding, like the founding documents and the founding ideals of the United States to this Mm -hmm. day in which we are still fighting in some ways to realize. Um, We're in October and this would, October 1 is like fireburn, fireburn. Let me say it like a Christian before a Christian hear me and be like, oh, she yanking up. So (laughs) fireburn, which which is um, the time where like it's officially contracting and three queens burned like three quarters of the island in revolution and revolt, just kind of like shaking, taking freedom one step further. So I like to think of St. Croix as a place that is lush and beautiful and amassed with oceans and tropical fruit and fire. And of Mm. course, all the real origin of free range chicken. Um, Right, Stina? What? Say what? What? I don't think I know what this is. Summer, say more. No. Oh, um, Stina, I felt like that was a handoff. Oh, oh, sorry. Stina, say more. So one of my favorite things is how you know who's visiting the island because they're always stopping to take pictures of all the chickens. And so when there's just chickens everywhere. And so, you know, you're and as so for me, of course, who has family in Puerto Rico, um, I just thought it was normal, right, for their, it it was part of the stories of growing up that there's chickens all around. So when we went, I was like, oh, they're cute, but I'm not going to like stop and take pictures. But you always know where, who the tourists are because they're just like stopping. And I have been known to stop traffic to make sure that the peeps, the, the little chicks can get across. But I would do that wherever I am. So yes, free range chickens everywhere. Um, and uh, contrary to um, storybooks or movies, roosters crow at all hours. And once one gets started, you can kind of hear across the neighborhood. And it's, it's, I find it fascinating. So as a biologist, you know, they're like, this is my territory. And then somebody else has to answer and say, no, this is mine. Or I like to think of these narratives of them talking. I love that. That was a lot about chickens. Was, and I, yeah. <laughs> Well, they're very evident there. It's, we should could we edit that part down? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Saint Croix, to add to everything that Summer um, said, I think that people don't realize how um, well, one, you know, the the um, Greater and Lesser Antilles. So Saint Croix is actually closer to Venezuela than it is to Florida. So we think geographically for you and your, you know, Google map it um, or earth, and you really have to zoom in to see this beautiful, beautiful island. Um, The other interesting thing about it is that it is, unlike the other Virgin Islands, it is further south from the rest of them. Um, So where that's important is when we think about how the islands have come about over time and built you know, um, their their form, forms of government, forms of trade, there's um, very cultural distinctions within the Virgin Islands, right? So um, people lump us all together, um, even with the, the um, 
the Caribbean, right? All islands get lumped together, but we're very distinct islands. So there's, I always think about it as a Venn diagram. There's certainly things that overlap, um, but we're, we're unique. And St. Croix also is an agricultural center, has very different geography. It's also on a different tectonic plate than the other islands. Um, it is beautifully surrounded by the Caribbean. Uh, the, it has the easternmost um, point in the United States. So mm-hmm. when you're on that point, Point Udall, um, and there's this gorgeous um, monument that was built for the millennium pointing in all the four cardinal directions, north, south, east, west. And when you um, are standing there, you can actually, you're facing and you're looking at the ocean and it's just, I mean, the the color blue is just thinking about it, you know, fills me with with love, with peace, um, with um, just the weight of it. But you're actually, if you were to go straight, you would hit Africa. And so there's, um, and I always think of it too around this amazingness of this wind that carried, um, that carries the Saharan dust to St. Croix, which helps our land be more fertile. The Saharan dust is literally the the dust from Sahara, right? It is the Saharan desert blowing across the Atlantic Ocean. And it comes in and causes this haziness in the sky and covers your homes and your windows. But it also is this, um, you need that population, that cross population of sand to help create some fertility in the land. Um, that same wind that also brings hurricanes, that brings fresh water. So um, our water comes from the sky. We don't have natural water, you know, that's bubbling up out of the ground. We rely on rainwater. That is our source of fresh water. Um, That same wind is the wind that brought slaves, is the wind that brought colonizers. And so there's this very sense Um, very real sense when you're living there of being connected to history, being connected to your ancestors, being connected to nature that um, in a way that I don't think I've ever experienced in any other location. Um, I just can't quite describe it. You know, it's something that you're you're in this small isolated community and I say isolated but it's not, not. I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, it's just, yeah. And I wonder, that really makes me uh, want to ask you all, Summer, you had re- referred, right, to like, it's always been a mix of people, right? St. Croix has always been a mix of people. And so I'm curious if you could talk to us a little bit about uh, the people of the island. So you mentioned Crusians, right? Like what, you know, I just was curious if you could say a little bit around, you know, who, who are Crusians? I experienced it as, I experienced it as a black island. Like that's kind of in my imagination and how I experienced it. This was an island of black folks, certainly with other folks there. And I'm curious about uh, the indigenous population there. And um, wondering if we could hear a little bit more about the Crusian people. So Crucian people. So first, I think it's important to say that the Virgin Islands has been colonized seven times. 
we've had seven flags um, over a span of hundreds of years, the two longest being um, 250 years of Denmark, and now we're under the American flag. The Virgin Islands is a hub. You will find maybe one or pockets of every Caribbean island living on this small 84 square miles. So we have people from Trinidad, Barbados, Guyana, Antigua, Barbuda, Montserrat, St. Kitts. I mean, as we go up the greater and lesser Antilles, there's people from Puerto Rico, Vieques, Cuba, Haiti, Santo Domingo, like there's there. And then where they are the indigenous Crusians. And so originally, um, Crusians would have been, before we were Crusians and we was I.I., there would be the Kalinago um, peoples and the Caribs and the Tainos um, and the Arawakan speaking people. And then the second set of influence would come from um, our colonizers and the enslaved who were brought here and the trade. So um, Crusians make up a mix of people who are of African descent, but have um, French, Danish, Scottish um, in them. Um, we are, you know, so like we're this real, real mix. Um, it's just so, so interesting in the ways that um, I think about the way St. Croix represents the world and the way that the change work that is central to the type of world that we're trying to build, which is diverse, inclusive, and equitable, is truly like represented in this space. Summer, we were re oh, go ahead, Stina. I can ask Summer a sec. Oh, sure. I was gonna add, so one of the fascinating things that I always find is that, and I, and I feel like it's important to say, so um, around, St. Croix and or in the US Virgin Islands. So we are owned by the United States. And I and I um we are US citizens, right? Um but we until recently didn't have a delegate to Congress that had voting ability. Um we do not have voting representation in the United States system of government and we are unable to vote for president. And I really think that um it's important for for people to um, the other aspect around that is that we we are um, a major place for companies to come and form um, economic development corporations and to receive tax breaks. So um, we also have on the island a refinery which had been closed and was reopened after the hurricane um, hurricanes Irma and Maria. And um, rum distilleries. So I just um, I think that it's important around this this there's open land and there's many different people. There's also many different religions. Um, there's a, a very culturally rich space that also has these dynamics that are um, very much what you would think of around um, around colonialism and that are unlike our, um, I think, unlike some of the experiences of Black Americans in the United States South. So um, I just, that's 
that's an element of culturally what's happening there. So Summer, when we we just did a program together with executive leaders in kind of a provincial uh, government of uh, in in Canada, and uh, there was a point at which a whole bunch of kind of like questions came up around race and equity, and uh, and you just kind of like leaned in at one point and began to speak about the kind of relationship between. Uh, the Virgin Islands and St. Croix and the United States and like, the experience of your father, you know, being able to be called up to fight for the country, but not being able to vote. And, and there was a whole bunch of like very stark examples, I think, that you gave that um, kind of spoke to not only the kind of strength and power of the pace, but some of the inherent inequities in it. And it was just... Uh, I don't know. When I heard you spoke about it, although you were speaking about um, inequities, there was like an underlying tone of incredible power, and uh, and so it just really struck me. And I, so I I don't know what to say about that or what I'm inviting, other than to say it and see what you say in return. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think Summer can. Hear Could you us hear again. me, Summer? I don't think she said we're sounding like robots speak. Yeah. Um. No idea what Tim said. So this is like, if we keep this podcast, people, it's going to be like the most interesting stream of consciousness like ever, right? This will show how connected I am to the outside. And um, what is the power of crusions? Oh my gosh. I think that we demonstrate resilience. I think that as a group, a, a nation, I, I, I like to refer to us as our own nation, um, of people who have endured seven flags, um, who to date has not been recognized by the United States or the call of the UN for the United States to decolonize its colonies, um, who, who have per capita sent more Virgin Islanders to die in wars, but can't vote for president. And yet still, ironically, most of us bear the mark of proud Americans, right? We're, we are enthused to be a part um, of, a, of this country, but also radical in the thoughts of how do we move towards sovereignty? How do we work at scale? How do we claim our ancestral legacy? How do we use this 84 square mile island to be um, a beacon of light and hope to show that things can be done differently. Um, I think that we have mastered the art of togetherness um, while, while there is inequity and it's, it's primarily socioeconomic. Um, so you don't see it in color because we're predominantly a black and brown island. The divide is the, the almighty dollar and socioeconomics separates us. Um, in, in real in real world, I have never experienced individual racism, right? We have this level of acceptance and tolerance. While I do know that it may exist here, we live in a world where that is invisible. And my larger challenge is like, how do we enter into relations and, and, and conversations about how colorism, internalized oppression and structural racism continue to push inequity, right? Because the way race, racist ideas and ideals perpetuate themselves on my shores looks different because many times I'm the face, my internal 
My internalized oppression is what is wielding the same system against ourselves. Um, and I think that we still manage to do so much and make so much happen and still manage to find like pride and joy um, around who Virgin Islanders are. And so, yeah, what a Virgin Islander is, is like we, and Krujans in specific, we're people who want justice. We're people who want fairness. We're people who will burn down an island for it. And when you come to the island, don't expect typical customer service. Like we're not like, please and thank you, but we are like, come to my home, let me cook for you. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's like an authenticity to the Crucian experience, not like, and that's who we are. Like you're going to get this very rough, real, loving, welcoming invite to, to the Virgin Islands. We're also very like astute. Like we have this intuitive gut, like we suss people out really quickly. Mm -hmm. Like, huh, he's here for this. I or, know. You know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have I a knowing. You. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and I, um, sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to, I just, I think that there's this, I, it's, this isn't the right word and, but it, they're authentic, intentional. Um, there's no middle. You know, what I mean is that it's you, one of the things that I found so freeing was that I had to think very intentionally about who I was in the world. What did I want? What did I need? How did I want to show up? In a way that it made me, you know, so I was living in St. Croix for five years and I I will always be Crucian, you know, um, I I the hardest decision of my life was deciding to leave the island um, and and was not made easily, right? And so um, it, and yet I also was recognizing that I am one of generations of people that has to make that choice of feeling like this is my home you know, even even if I wasn't raised there, this is my home. This is my home. Mm. This is I am part of this community. And the reasons I am having to choose to leave are not because I don't love my community. They are because of factors that are beyond my control. They are generational and they are and I come from so I can say personally, I come from a line of people who have had to choose or been forced from their home. And so the ability to decide where you live, I don't think that most people, many people, you know, I'm back in the States now, people don't think of that as a choice. Um, and it's, and I grew up with this narrative, right, of people saying, we would prefer to be back in the Caribbean, but we had to move here. And here's, here's the, um, the paradox, right, of what that means. I feel torn. I feel like my identity is split. Like here's what I'm recognizing is good about that decision. And here's what I am recognizing that is hurtful about that decision, you know, in that life. And so I think that in St. Croix, the beauty is um, you recognize that inherent human experience of living contradictions, right? And mm. and it is something that we can talk about, which I find um, there's this tapping into spirit 
and soul that um, I've just not experienced in in many, I'll just say in anywhere else and very rare, you know, maybe with other people, but not in places where I could just randomly have a conversation at the farmer's market. And that conversation would tap into spirit, you know, and, and I think that that is a something that raising my family there, you know, was the gift that I give my son is that he will carry that with him wherever he is. Um, it's just, mm. yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to when we can all travel again and the outside can call a gathering in, I think, mm. right? whether it's of outsiders or inviting in our broader community of people who follow our work or, but, uh, you know, some has been saying that's in our future and just hearing the two of you talk today, I, I feel that it is. Yeah. Can I, um, can I ask, y'all have said so many different things and maybe Tim, I don't know, I don't know how we're doing with time, but I just, like y'all have said so many different things, um, about, um, the seeking of justice of crusions about the mix of people about the spirit in the conversation some are about the the pride and the pride in country and yet complete kind of marginalization of power right and i'm really curious if you all i mean i know this is kind of a big question but i'm wondering if either of you could speak to what then is it like to make systems change in that particular system right like what does that look like No. I'm sorry. Every time Excuse people me. ask us that kind of question, we laugh. So I, I think you're right on. Yeah. Of course. Uh, ask the most difficult question ever. I, um, yeah, I, <laughs> what I, is that like? You go first, Summer. What is it like? Um, <laughs> so first of all, I would think that most people, like myself, are just learning what systems changes, this type of change work. We're really on the cusp of it. And I feel like working um, with you Tuesdays, Stina and Tim is really my introduction in, right? So I don't have the answer to what it's like yet because I think we're on the leading. We're on the leading edge of bringing this conversation to, in this way with equity at the center to the Virgin Islands, to St. Croix, much like we are in the edge of taking it to the world. What I do know and feel really confident about is that small reflects all, right? So I think that leading systems change in the Virgin Islands or St. Croix in particular is like an incubation space, right? We're going to do a lot of learning here Mm. and that learning will become, it's a nice small space and that learning will become real and we'll be able to dig our teeths or tooths into it and then we'll be able to spread it well it's a safe space to do learning um it's a safe space to consider equity work and i think the challenge of equity work in in most places in the world we talk about equity across race and so we never really took take the lens to look like at what the equity issues are in in our race right because we know those there's other privileges, right? There's educational privilege. There's, there's, you know, like the doctor of the doctor of the doctor doesn't experience life the same um, as an inner city mom who may not have the same degree. So like building equity and leveling the playing field for voice also has work that has to be done internally in race. There are also, um, and, and, and other races, you know, white people, Chinese people, Indian people, we live those caste systems as well. 
And so I think nationally or globally, a lot of the conversation is pit across black and white. And I think St. Croix reflects a space where we can do true equity work, where it's human to human, because the divide across race isn't so big. Um, so I don't think that we've learned that much about doing the change work yet. I think what we've learned with my work with the outside is this is a really interesting question to be in, right? Um, and that my home represents a place where we can do some of that learning. And I, I think that there's also a, an aspect of asking ourselves what what have we been thinking are the conditions for systems change and do we need to challenge those yeah. assumptions and are those assumptions coming from an experience and perspective that only represents a certain latitude around the globe um, and and that is huh. something that and, and I I do need to be yeah. honest that you know when you ask that question Tuesday, that was a question that was in my head when I was there because I had been systems thinking and doing work in systems change before I lived in St. Croix. Then, you know, definitely practicing systems change and um, also sensing, okay, what does it mean for me to have to be missing a community of systems change practitioners, you know, and, and um, but how did I fill that? Right. So Summer and I connected um, and we could there's a certain language we spoke without having necessarily formal systems change, you know, methodologies. But we still got there. So I've had this question that I've been carrying questions around what what is the system? What are we thinking is systems change dogma? Right. And where we potentially potentially having inequity in that. Um, what what are we um, what does it mean? Are we focusing on communities that have the advantage of being closer to cities? You know, I've had this question around rural and also around voice and access. So I'll give this example of Summer and I, as soon as we found each other, I will say. I was like, I am not letting go of this friend. So <laughs> she's my island family. I love her. Um, but when we started and people could sense that we were feeding each other, there, other people shut, sometimes put barriers in our way to working together. And that is different in, I've never experienced that level of sort of, of power you know, of really truly playing out power in a way that impacts real lives, you know, and, and so um, that it's just this question I have around when we're thinking about other communities that are carrying generational trauma, that are carrying this resiliency, how do we, how do we need to approach systems change where it is generational and, and in a way, um, that we can, where it's also directly impacting our lives, the changes we make or the choices or the words we're speaking out in the community impact our lives in very real ways. Hmm. Summer? Um, 
Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And this is going to take us way back to the beginning of the conversation when we were talking about our free range chickens and the fact that there is like a call and response and that it happens at all times. And like, there's like this crowing that begets crowing that begets crowing. And that's why I brought fractals into the conversation Mm -hmm. because two things, even in chickens, as if we're thinking about like biomimicry and some of the things we talk about when we're together and living systems theory and how like our work mirrors nature, like one, it's about relationship and conversation, right? Like this. And two, it's that echo that gets louder and louder and louder and and each rooster picks it up. Just like I think we, um, as outsiders who are working in very different places, are like mirroring the work in each other's community and like picking mm. it up and echoing it and um, like calling to it and finding our family, right? We're And finding our family through the echoes of our work, right? Um, yeah, because Stina brought Tuesday to St. Croix right? And like, it was her, it was her attraction. She called you in. And through that, like, I feel like I called in like Tim and the outside because it was that echo of looking at the work on YouTube, like being amazed at what you guys were doing in rooms, learning a little bit about it, and then really having this genuine desire to like learn. And, you know, a year later, here we are, two years, no, a year on a podcast. And I, and I'll say that it's because too, at some point I was taught, oh, this person who I love and respect and is saying this thing, I think that this person needs to talk to this person over here. And being willing to let go of, it's not my relationship, right, that is going to be hurt by connecting these people. And and that was a lesson that I was taught that isn't, I mean, my family is very generous about connecting people. And Mm. so I'm very... Um, aware that that is in my spirit and my nature, right? But I, you have to be willing to say, I'm, I'm going to connect these folks and who knows what happens. It's, we'll see whatever emerges, you know, emerges. So uh, w- one last question before we um, invite you two to give us a poem and a song, which I'm particularly excited about today. And so, but like I, you've you've chosen food, right? I mean, if there's many many places, I think you could have put your effort and intention and your action. Like in my community where I live, I've chosen recreation. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like a it's a point at which I can take immediate action and have impact. And and um and but you've you've chosen food where you live, and I'm just interested. You know, whether food chose you or you chose food or why, why has food become the place within which you've chosen to act? Um, so I think, well, what I know now is that food is my ancestral legacy, but when it chose me, I did it. So the mm. answer is food chose me. It came to me as a gift through 18 of the most wonderful children ever in a multi-age classroom and I had no idea what they were giving me. And so now, some seven years later, I think I chose food and food chose me because you have your your work can choose you, but you have to say yes to it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like so there is a co-choosing that I now know that happens. And I said yes to it because I believe that food frees people to make choices. 
I believe that if you are in control of your nutrition and your health, there's things that you can say no to that a hungry person can't, right? I think that food removes the mentality that communities are begging and in need and desperate. Because if a man can feed his family, at the end of the day, if someone comes to your door knocking on your door and they ask you to give away something precious, you look in your cupboard and you're like, no, we can eat today. As a matter of fact, we can eat for quite some time. So you get to politely say, no, thank you. So I see food as a way into one, living the legacy of my ancestors and two, telling not so well-meaning people, no, thank you. And I think if individual communities around the world felt that level of security, then they'd be in better relationship with their community and in a position to negotiate better policy for themselves. Right. It's, I mean, not to sound too jargony, but like it, it sounds to me like you're saying something like food sovereignty, right, actually leads to personal sovereignty or the sovereignty of a community to feel like it owns its own world and has the capacity to lead upon its own terms and that, and, and, you know, being able to achieve or seek food sovereignty is what leads to that. The name of the song is um, Faya, um, Queen Omega, by a local Crucian artist named Desiree. powerful song about the role that women play and have played throughout the beginning of time and the misnomer that all of the power rests with men to make change and just um, as we shift into a more cooperative collaborative space which I think reflects the feminine and um, the way in which I think the outside works to balance both the feminine and masculine energies of life and that we kind of all embrace them at different times I thought it was like so super appropriate one to uplift this artist to the rest of your to your outsiders um, who are listening and the world and two to tell the balancing story of the role feminine energy plays. Mm. Oh, I love it. So love good. It. Thank you, Summer. Welcome. And Stina, a poem. So I have chosen a poem and I I'm going to, I know I apologize a lot, but I'm <laughs> going to say that I unfortunately do not know enough Crucian poetry. Um, I was I was going through my books and um, trying to find something. I even had reached out to Summer and Summer, my friend, reminded me to choose something from my heart. And so mm. I chose something that for me, while is um, written by the Hopi elders will always represent the call for St. Croix. Um, and it, the, and there's this moment where uh, the nonprofit community and uh, black and brown leaders in the nonprofit world were visiting St. Croix and we had connected in this beautiful dinner that was held on a farm that's out West um, Ridge to Reef, which also helped support farm to school, and um, and we they had we had had this beautiful dinner prepared for us, and this uh, 
was our ending poem. And I just remember the Mm. sounds of crickets and tree frogs. And it just takes me to that moment. And also was something that I think held me through change. So it's called, We Are the Ones We've Been Waiting For. You have been telling people that this is the 11th hour. Now you must go back and tell the people that this is the hour. And there are things to be considered. Where are you living? What are you doing? What are your relationships? Are you in right relation? Where is your water? Know your garden. It is time to speak your truth. Create your community. Be good to each other. And do not look outside yourself for your leader. This could be a good time, and there is a river flowing now very fast. It is so great and swift. There are those who will be afraid. They will try to hold on to the shore. They will feel they are being torn apart and will suffer greatly. Know the river has its destination. The elders say we must let go of the shore, push off into the middle of the river, keep our eyes open and our heads above the water. And I say, see who is in there with you and celebrate. At this time in history, we are to take nothing personally, least of all ourselves. For the moment that we do, our spiritual growth and journey come to a halt. The time of the lone wolf is over. Gather yourselves. Banish the word struggle from your attitude and your vocabulary. All that we do now must be done in a sacred manner and in celebration. We are the ones we've been waiting for. Perfect. Thank you, Thank Stina. Thank you, Stina. Beautiful. You've been listening to Find the Outside the Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. You can find all the songs on our uh, Spotify playlist. Just search Find the Outside. You can, uh, if you need to reach us for anything, you can just send an email. I don't remember where, Tim. Where do they send the email? Podcast at findtheoutside.com. There you go. Send us an email. We actually check it, even though I don't know the address. It's uh, true. We do. This podcast comes out every other Tuesday. We are now in season three, so you will hear from us every other Tuesday. But if you want to hear any of these podcasts or uh, past podcasts, you just go to findtheoutside.com slash podcast, and they're all right there. Many, many thanks to Christina Torres and Summer Sibley who've been joining us today. Also to Mark Coffin, our producer, and Gary Blakemore, who does all the music that you hear, obviously other than the original pieces of music that come in from uh, different artists. Have a wonderful couple of weeks, folks, and you'll hear from us again soon. Thanks so much.